Welcome to a special edition of Hill Country Institute Live, exploring Christ and culture. Today we'll be talking about homecoming, what it means to come back to the church you left to go to a new place, a new city, maybe a new job. How does it feel to come back home? What can we do to make the homecoming a joyous time for those who are returning and those who are welcoming them? What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ as we are dispersed around the country? Hill Country Institute Live brings together Christian leaders with you to talk about issues of concern to the body of Christ. We seek to help with living a fully engaged faith with the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. We invite you to visit our website, hillcountryinstitute.org, and go to resources where podcasts of programs are available and also at iTunes under Hill Country Institute Live. Other resources include video and audio recordings of conferences on faith and science, faith and art, and the works of C.S. Lewis. Our partner for the program today is the prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio. This is part of a series on praying for people who we know and who serve us in various ways, such as teachers, military chaplains, and first responders. Our guests today are Rick Lane of First Presbyterian Church, who is a deacon and chairman of the prayer committee. Rick is a ministry partner in many areas with the Hill Country Institute, including an initiative drawing together teaching ministries in Mexico and those who support them and walk with Mexico. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Larry. Gregory Griffin is also with us. Greg is a talented musician who is now working in New York City. I'll let Greg tell us a bit more about himself. Greg, welcome to Hill Country Institute Live. We're so glad you're here oh. today. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Great, man. Well, Greg, I'd like for folks to get to know you. Uh, you've moved around a bit when you when you were young, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, we actually did. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I actually grew up in uh, Riviera Beach, Florida, you know, until about the age of 15. And I think it was a unique experience. You know, my mom and my dad, you know, I, came, I actually was coming home from uh, uh, a youth camp that my church at the, at the time, Christ Fellowship, which would later come on to play later on in my adult life. Uh, you know, I came home and they told me we were moving to Texas, and I was like, what? I cannot believe it. <laughs> What's you this know, Texas I, thing? Huh? I had established a life there. I was playing football. I was on track to, you know, probably being, you know, somewhat a star in that arena and uh, moving to a whole other city. It wasn't attractive, but moving to San Antonio was probably the best thing that could ever happen to not only me, but probably my entire family, and it, and it became home for us for sure. Yeah, that's great. Well, so you were you were into athletics when you were in Florida, but then when you got here, you know your 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 mom um, noticed that you were spending your time in a different way. Uh, what can you tell us about that and, and her advice to you? Yeah, for sure. When I was younger, uh, I've always had a unique gift in music that my mom seen. She always seen that. Uh, when I, but we come from more of an athletic family. You know, my sister was a standout athlete um you know throughout the entire nation my brother the same way um and me i was i was good i was good i wasn't you know uh you know fairly recognizable and everything like that but i was good i was a solid athlete you know but that's just what we knew 
we moved to San Antonio, my mom, she got this uh, calling that she felt God said, buy Greg a keyboard. So when she bought me a keyboard, I had so many friends in Florida. And then when I moved to Texas, uh, you know, I had this, I didn't have as many friends. So, you know, with that said, I spent a lot of times after coming home from football practice, uh, spending trying to, you know, figure out how to compose music and, and make beats and format songs and put things together. And as soon as I started doing the production and playing my own music, my mom was like, you should write a song, you know, because she knew I could sing. Mm -hmm. And then after she heard me sing, she was like, you know what, Greg, I think you should write a rap to that, you know. So I owe, it to, I owe a lot to my mom. She always recognized the gift um, that I had in music, and she nurtured that. And in my senior year in high school, one of my... One of my really good friends encouraged me to get into the talent show. And when she did that, you know, it was just, I was like, wow, okay. I did great in the talent show. Actually won the whole thing. Uh, the, a couple weeks after that, um, I printed up the song that I sang at my talent show, and I sold 300 copies for $2 a copy in my high school before lunch was over. And that's when I kind of knew that this was the path for me uh, when it comes to uh, doing music, and this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Though I did love football, and I did love athletics a lot, I knew that that God called me to, you know, produce music and write songs and impact people that way. So you, you mentioned that you were off at a Christian camp. You mentioned that God has led you in writing songs. So how how is your Christian, how did your Christian faith impact you when you were younger, you know, a teenager particularly, making this big move? And how does it impact you now in the in the world that you're in? Well, yeah, um, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that's major in my life. Um, I would, there's a lot of, you know, there's a common Christian story that happens amongst a lot of people that I hear. There's kind of like this come to Jesus moment that moment because of the faith of my mom really never happened to me so i had the fortunate gift of growing in christ my whole life and because of that i have i've had a unique experience being because i was young and i always had a, a great deal of knowledge of what the bible said you know and those type of things that happened uh i knew the stories but the connection really started taking place when that transition happened when i went to that youth camp and uh, that's when I believed that I began to have a relationship with God, and it became more than the stories. It became more than just uh, the right thing to do. It became, you know what, let me see what this is really about. And the way that that plays into my life now is that I'm a musician that I believe that it's critical that we, as Christians and as, you know, everything that we do, we tell the truth. And with, with my truth, the stories and the things that God gives me in my life, I write them and I and I speak about them in my music. So automatically, you know, I'm not per se a Christian artist. You wouldn't, you know, put me in that category. But because I speak my truth, it always resonates in my music. So that's how it kind of plays out. You know, my lyrics, even in the lyrics of the Christmas song, uh, you know, that I have, you know, I'm speaking about the day that the Savior is born. That's my truth. That's what I know Christmas to be. So it's very important that I always tell my truth because I know that in my truth, other people can be liberated and hopefully give God the opportunity to come in and fill those holes and, you know, talk to the people that he needs to talk to because I know that my music can have a reach towards some people that other artists may not be able to get to. All I can say is preach it, brother. 
You are <laughs> you're right on. You know, uh, you went to you went to UT San Antonio. You started I out in, in uh, I believe, music marketing, and you ended up with a degree in sociology. Uh, yeah, how, how do those pieces tie together? Um, well, you know, it's 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 a unique it's a unique thing that happened. I feel that uh, you know, with the music marketing background, it was kind of like having a, a double major. So the beginning of my you know uh, studies at UTSA, I really studied a lot in the music theory. And, uh, you know, I took a lot of marketing courses, which obviously helped me out a lot in business, you know, and it helped me out. I, I learned how to play the piano while I was at UTSA. Um, I got vocal training while I was at UTSA. And then I had a unique opportunity to, uh, you know, take my experience doing marketing and work for the Spurs for the summer of 2009. So that really helped me out to understand the different type of marketing aspects that go into entertainment business, Right. So then when I came off of that internship, I was offered another internship with AmeriCorps Public Allies, which nurtured my leadership capabilities. And I've been in these type of trainings my whole life, but this one kind of brought the surface about on how I had to care for people and be able to, you know, get with the youth and get with the community. And I was able to be on all different sides of San Antonio at all different times and learn the cultures of different people. And that made me interested in sociology and, and the study of people. So it made a unique combination that when I was done, I really actually realized that studying sociology helped me out with my songwriting pop, you know, uh, my songwriting capabilities because I could look at people's stories along with my own and I could, you know, write them in a different way because I viewed things in a different way, learning all the knowledge that I got. And I also got another aspect of the basis of music from my mar my music marketing background as well. So it was like the perfect cocktail to get me the knowledge that I needed to be successful when I graduated. Well, Greg, one, one of the things that's interesting is Christians, we, we value people and we, and we value different cultures and different approaches to life. Yes. And, and, and from what I've read, I mean, how, would, how would you describe your music that, that you put together that's, that's really got your distinctive mark on it? Um, I would say that I create music with no boundaries. Um, I, I got a good friend of mine. He's also an artist as well. He coined my music champion music. He said that, uh, you know, when you listen to Greg G music, it just makes you want to get up and do something better with your life. It makes you want to love people a little bit better. And that, and to me, that speaks volumes because that's what God instills in us every day. That's what he does all the time. So, you know, him saying that, it lets me know that the purpose that I was created for to make music is making effective change. Um, it's a lot of singing. It's a lot of rapping. Uh, it's a lot of musicalness. And it's something that's different. You know, I had the opportunity to sit in, uh, sit in the offices of Sony a couple months ago, and there was an A&R there, and she said, you know, Greg, there's a lot of people that say that they're in their own lane and they, they make their own type of music. But she said, you are an anomaly. You really are someone that has something that's totally different from everyone else that's out here. And it's unique because I can honestly tell you that God has given, you know, Jesus went to different places. He went to the worst of places to talk to, you know, people that weren't well off. You know, and I've had the opportunities to go places like that. You know, in uh, uh, 2012, um, I was asked by uh, 
uh, I believe it was Hill Country. There, there, there's a church, Westover Hills, Westover Hills Church, to perform at their young adults on the New Year's Eve party. And the the night prior, the night before that, I was also asked to perform at you know a gay and lesbian club to be able to perform to bring in the year with them. And I thought it was unique that I was able to be able to perform both of my sets to both audiences. And that message got to, you know, be in front of a unique audience like the gay and lesbian club that I was in. And also, it was able to be received in a church. And that message was love. And that message was forgiveness. And it, it's just unique that God gave me something like that, that I, can, that I could be able to bring that to both audiences. Oh yeah, that's that's incredible. I think I think that the use of the arts and particularly music touches people's soul in a way that that uh, that just words alone won't do. You know, if you can build a relationship, if you can bring that that special quality in your music uh, to them, then there's something special that can happen. Uh, one, exactly. One of the things that I that I saw in reading some of the articles about you is that you you draw from hip hop, you draw from R and B, uh, you you even draw from Tejano music. So uh, yeah. is that a part of the the kind of melting pot that you put together for your music? Well, you know, um, I I've had the opportunity, like I said, because I got to perform in so diff- so many different uh, venues, and because my music is accessible, and you know. Sometimes I play with a live band and, you know, I always have my keyboard on stage with me. It allows that to, you know, I could perform in different settings with different promoters. So, you know, one particular song that I had uh, called San Antonio, I was performing with a band called Luna Tropical. Um, And we did like three or four shows together. And I was riding down Commerce Street one day and I was like, you know, I want to make a song that sounds the way my city looks and i knew the only way that i could do that is i had to incorporate the hispanic community and the heavy the heavily latin influence that we had in san antonio so i got a couple of their guys together the whole entire band came over to my house and it was the first time that i had ever recorded a live band and it took us about 10 days to really complete the process and a lot of hours because we didn't have the knowledge but we recorded a lot of that, and then I added my hip-hop and R&B flair to it, and I feel like we created something special, and that's on my Gold Rush album. So there's a lot of different influences. I just try to draw from whatever experiences that God puts around me, and I'm blessed to be able to be in, in different places. You know, right now I'm in New York City, and I'm drawing, I'm drawing a lot from my life you know, to put into the new album that I'm creating when all else fails. I'm pulling from my relationship with my girlfriend and, you know, writing different things about what it's like to have a long-distance relationship because she went to Liberia, you know, to, uh, you know, better the education system there and change lives there. So us, you know, her doing God's work out there to put on her on her heart and me doing the things here, being able to write about those experiences because there's a lot of people dealing with that. Me dealing with my friendships and being estranged and even like you guys are saying today, coming home, you know, being able to come home because this is the first time that I left. So I love the feeling of coming home and having that familiarity that, that we have around. So you know, that's what I consistently try to do uh, with everything that we have going on. 
for sure. Well, a long-distance relationship in Liberia, I mean, I'm used to thinking like, you know, San Antonio to Houston or something. You're, yeah. you're, when you say long-distance, you're really long-distance. That's what I'm... Yeah, well, the, the thing is, she's a really, really special woman with a unique gift, and she has a unique calling upon her life, you know, and she has a passion for young children, and she is going, you know... She has all this education background, and she's originally from Liberia. So she went over there, you know, to really, uh, she wanted to create effective change, and she's doing that right now. And uh, I think it's an amazing thing. I think that we'll see the effects of what she began doing for generations to come now. That's great. Well, Greg, you're working with children, too. Tell, Tell us about what you're doing at the Harlem Children's Zone. Well, I think that it's a great, you know, like I said, you know, I was able to have the music marketing and the sociology. It's like God has just been, you know, carrying me out and doing the things that I have to do. You know, when it was time for me to, when I had achieved so much in San Antonio, it was time for me to leave. And, uh, you know, I put an application out for the Harlem Children's Zone, who we all know because they've been on 60 Minutes and had documentaries made about them and everything like that. And I never could have imagined, I applied for one position, a student advocate, and they called me back for a music composition job. And nothing on my resume said music composition. So you could see how God worked in that way uh, to get me to where I'm at now. So what I do here is I work with the students using, you know, uh, my background in, in leadership and, you know, life skills training that I did while I was in San Antonio, but also utilize my music career. So we teach the students um, different life skills like, you know, how to handle their anger, goal, dreams and goal setting, uh, you know, and how to pick their friends, the right friends and resisting negative peer pressure, while at the same time teaching them contemporary music theory, uh, you know, giving them voice lessons, recording them in the studio and teaching them digital sound uh, and also just having fun and making sure that they have a safe place to come when they get off of school. You know, when they get done with school, they can come here and it's a safe environment where they can do their homework and they can progress academically because all of our curriculum has to do with, you know, different academic aspects. You know, you get English, you get science, you get all of these things from music as well, you know. And you know, tie all of that in. So that's what I'm actually teaching right now, along with uh, also, you know, furthering my music career and performing, you know, week to week and, you know, traveling. I just came from Tennessee, you know, and I was doing some music music production down there. And I, I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago. So being able to do that and impact the community still, I just feel blessed to be you know, the type of human being that God chose for this specific mission. Well, I, cool. I really have a great appreciation for how you, you use calling so much because there's a, there's a general calling for all of us to, to live for Christ, to be ambassadors, but you, you have a very specific calling through your music, don't you? That, that, yeah. That's really what sets up your relationships and gives you a chance to mentor and care for those children, doesn't it? Most definitely. And, you know, I speak of calling because... I think that God always choose, chooses unlikely characters. You know, believe it or not, I'm kind of a shy person. You know, I'm the type of guy that may at times shy away from the limelight. But I've been given this unique ability um, that's only through God to be able to create the type of music that I, that I have. Um, and he gave me this heart, this heart that just wants to love people. You know, I, I, I 
I have this, you know, because I'm a music producer, I see the positive in a lot of things because it's my job to get the positive and make the best out of everything that I get. So I also translate that into the human beings that I see every day. So that's also a gift that he gave me as well. And to be able to speak, you know, who would have thought that Greg Griffin, shy Greg, would be able to speak and, you know, play on stages and, and do those type of things. So that's why I call it a calling because it's something that I would have never done myself. Well, it's kind of kind of like Moses and Aaron, you know. Give me somebody to speak for me, Lord. I don't want to speak, and and ultimately he did. But uh, yeah, I was exactly. thinking. Yeah, I was thinking just now about uh, another guest that we had on the show, uh, a fellow named Nathan Griffin. You know him, don't you? Oh man, the best man in the world. He's the best man I know. Period, <laughs> hands down. Well, he he. You, the, for anyone that that doesn't know, Nathan Nathan is Greg's brother. And he's a coach here in the San Antonio area. And what he says about working with kids on the athletic side is very parallel to what Greg's saying. So uh, I I think it's really wonderful that a family recognizes a unique calling, one to be a coach, one to be in music, but both to be ambassadors for Christ. Because that's that's really what you're talking about, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're reaching people, you're touching them, and music is the vehicle for that. Most definitely. I, I, I... I feel like this, you know, there's two concepts that can't be argued, and that's love God and love people. And I think that if we carry that out, uh, I think that we're going to always be accessible tools for God to do His work. It's not our, it's our responsibility to, to do those two things, and through doing those things, God does even more great works. So... For me, I'm not the person that brings people to Christ through my music or brings my students to Christ through my, you know, influence and mentoring for them. What happens is, is I do my job of loving people and loving God, and then God does the rest. And I find that to just to be awesome. And that's when you find your, your, your you find yourself in situations like this, like today. I'm not having a particularly great day. I've had some really tough things happen over the last couple of days. And it's in this time that God says, you know, Greg, I'm going to have them call you up and you're going to talk about your life and you're going to talk about the things that I've done. That's what God does. He gives us those situations. And even though things are bad, we know him to be the truth. So we can only say the truth and what comes out. You know, you guys couldn't even tell. No one could tell because it's the light that's shining in me. And that's what it's all about, I believe. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like we kind of have to get out of the way, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what you're saying is, it, I think, takes to heart so much of what the body of Christ needs to be thinking about. And that's how, how do we show the love of Christ to people in our everyday experiences? You know, we the person who's across the fence or in the next cubicle or who's coming into your classroom or in a club where you're playing. I mean, those people are seeking something, aren't they? I think that it always comes from placing yourself in a position to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if we always place ourselves in a position to serve and be not self-seeking, you're always in a place to where God can work, you know, um, there's a lot of terms that fly around nowadays, like, you know, you have to do, do it to make yourself happy, you know, or, you know, do something to make sure that you're good. And to me, that's a message that's being placed upon all of us 
can make us be blind to say, you know what, even when I'm not held happy or even when I'm not doing something for me, you trying to tell me that God can't do something through me? That's God. He could do whatever he, he wants to. He could do great things through me even when I'm at my worst. You know, so I think that if we always place ourselves in a position to serve, then that means we're lifting him up. And it's not always saying to your coworker or saying to your teacher or saying or saying to the different people that you interact with all the time, Hey, you need Jesus. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I'm going to get a cup of coffee, you want one? And just doing something like that or hey, guess what? I, you know, one of my one of my coworkers today bought me some biscuits from uh, Red Lobster. It's as simple as doing, somebody can receive the love of God from something as simple as getting somebody some biscuits from Red Lobster. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that blessed and you, you don't have it? to do nothing but just do what's in front of you. Yeah. That's what I think is so unique because God is so big that all we have to do is the, sim- all we have to do is the simple things. That's what he trusts us with, loving people, loving God. We do that, we're good. Well, Greg, I'm thinking that maybe if your music career doesn't work out, you can be a preacher. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, for me, just like I said, what I try to do in front of me is I just try to always do the things that's in front of me. That's it. Yeah, and that's that's part of that general calling, isn't it? He, he puts us in a place, and he, he wants us to do the things that come up there, to relate to people, to care for them, to do exactly what you're talking about. So have a, a, a great appreciation for that uh greg we're getting we're getting close to time to take our break so i okay. want to thank our audience for being with us we're uh we're with greg griffin greg is a musician uh teaching and working now with kids in harlem and also been in san antonio part of the music scene here and tied That's closely right. to first presbyterian church here here in uh, san antonio so uh this is hill country institute live exploring christ and culture I want to thank again our uh, partner for this broadcast, the Prayer Ministry at First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. If you're enjoying the program and would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hillcountryinstitute.org. That's hillcountryinstitute.org. There are resources there for your use, including previous radio interviews on a variety of topics, including fighting human trafficking, reaching out to folks who aren't Christians, and environmental stewardship, among others. There are videos from past conferences on faith and science, faith and art, and the works of C.S. Lewis and many other topics. So if you'd like to support this program and these conferences, events, and online resources, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hill Country Institute. So thank you, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 